Hello, and welcome to the Viva Wellness Podcast. My name is Jarrell. I'm Rachel. Thank you to everyone who is joining us today, or, you know, whatever day you're listening to this, probably not the same day we're <laughs> it's recording. Always, it's always not. today for them. It's always today for them. That's a good point. <laughs> I feel like that was super philosophical. It's always today somewhere. Yes. Yeah. I don't know what that would mean, but still, go with it. <laughs> So we have another guest that we're super excited to introduce to everyone. Um, I'm a huge fan of her work. I know Jarell is a huge fan of her work. And she's been on New York One, which if you know me at all, you know that that's <laughs> like a huge selling point in addition to just being awesome. So we are talking today with Rebecca Sofer. Rebecca, how are you? Um, you know, I, I, <laughs> I'm hanging on and hanging in. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate that honest answer. Anytime I'm like, how are you today to someone? And they go, I'm good. I'm like, are you, <laughs> Right. <laughs> are you really, I, I think we have moments, like there are these moments where we're mm-hmm. good for sure. Right. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I've had, um, like long extended mo like sustained moments. Yeah. Yeah. That's I'm just scared really lately. Yeah, that there's moments, but not anything like overall or for longer than like, you know, the time it takes to eat some really right. <laughs> Yeah. So why don't you introduce yourself to everyone listening? Um, tell us who you are, what you do, and anything else you think you'd want our audience to know about you. Sure. Um, well, thanks for having me on today. I really appreciate it. Um so I uh, I run something called Modern Loss, which is a essentially it's it's a community and a movement focused on eradicating the stigma surrounding grief and the very long arc of loss. Um, and that's a very simplified way of describing it. We are a publication, we're an online publication, very like kind of entrepreneurial journalism. We publish uh, literary nonfiction um, about all aspects of the grief experience and not just grief, but like the law, as I said, the long arc of it, um, everything from how loss can impact your life with regard to intimacy and finances and career decisions. And, you know, do you want to have kids and where do you want to live? I mean, we're just trying to show that loss really touches every facet of your life and it doesn't just you know, it's not the most resounding in just the first year Mm -hmm. after you go through a loss. It's every day thereafter in some way, shape or form. And we also want to show people by building this community and sharing stories and offering resources, which is we all, you know, we have advice columns on legal, financial, you know, therapeutic, um, we have a a book, uh, we have very lively Facebook groups are all over social media. And through that, you know, the the through line is we're also trying to allow people to find each other and Mm -hmm. connect with each other through this journey of theirs and kind of pull each other through this mess and show each other through their own stories and their own questions and offering their own advice that just because, you know, you're living with loss, it doesn't mean you're broken. It doesn't mean it's all over. And it actually, you know, can be very possible that life is going to be really rich for you in ways that you could never imagine. And instead of telling you that it's going to be okay somehow and putting a hand on your shoulder and giving you a platitude like it takes a year, (laughs) what we do is try and form community and allow other people who are in it 
to show others that it can be like that through their stories, through their experiences. And, you know, I'm a big, I'm a journalist, like I really believe in show, don't tell. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so that is uh, very much a tenant of modern loss, which is, is, is storytelling. Um, so that's, you know, that, that's what we are. Um, and, and I've been doing it with uh, my co-founder, Gabby Berkner, for seven years now. Oh, which wow. is kind of crazy. Yeah. I love so much about what you said. There were so many things like points I wanted to touch on, but it's just such an amazing community. It sounds like where you really have developed a home for people who have gone through what is just has been up until the point where they experienced the loss, just totally unthinkable and unimaginable to cope with, which is amazing. Yeah. I mean, that's that's pretty much right. <laughs> yeah. And I also think that like when conversations about grief and about loss are people approach them with a lot of like hesitancy, right? Which is, I find so interesting, especially as a therapist, because it's almost one of the things that everyone experiences. Right. Right. Like yeah, everyone it, experiences it, loss. Yeah. Every single, every single living thing. Yeah. It's the, it's, you know, even more so than taxes as we've seen. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. It's so true. I've had so many conversations with clients about some form of loss where we've essentially said like, hey, disclaimer, this might be a really downer statement, but everything you love at some point will end in loss or tragedy because that's life. And it's not to go around thinking like, oh, hey, might as well not love this person or invest in this area of my life because well, it's going to end anyway. But it's just to acknowledge that and both to appreciate what you have when you have it, but at the same time to really normalize this experience that it's pretty taboo. We don't talk about it as much, but everyone experiences this, which makes it pretty crazy. We don't talk about it on the mm -hmm. regular. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, you know, like I, I'm always feel like I'm like the bearer of bummer news, but it shouldn't be that much of a shock that, right. you know, Hey, everything is ephemeral. <laughs> like everything that lives is probably not going to be living at some point, you know, mm -hmm. unless like, if you could show me the one case where that's happened, I would mm -hmm. be very curious. Um, so I don't know why it's taboo because it's literally the one thing we all share. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. and so, you know, I agree, like it shouldn't be taboo because we're all going to go through it. And the more we, you know, the better we get at developing language around supporting ourselves and supporting each other through loss, um, we're going to make it easier for the next person who goes through it. And then we could actually change the culture and make it something that isn't stigmatized. Um, but also by extension, you know, what modern loss also is, it's very much about life. You know, um, when we were launching the site, a lot of people were looking at us sideways and saying, God, you're going to do something about death. Like it's such a bummer. And we were like, okay, like, you know, my background is journalism and political satire. I used to work for Stephen Colbert, for God's mm -hmm. sake. I'm, I'm not a downer of a person. Right. Um, <laughs> and I mean, I can't be situationally, but I think I really enjoy life and living it and sucking everything out of it. And um, I think that, you know, by extension, when you get better at talking about loss and grief, you realize how normal it is. And I think that you give yourself the space to examine your own loss and your own grief and 
probably potentially realize that because everything is finite, um, you know, and you're examining it a lot, maybe you're going to make some choices about how you want to live mm -hmm. that are more rewarding that yeah. you otherwise might not make because you're not so reflective about it. Yeah, that's such a good point that in ignoring the inevitability of loss, you're not really appreciating or recognizing that what you have is finite and therefore should be taken advantage of. I, I love what you right. said about like squeezing every drop out of it, which I think people are more prone to do if they are more aware of the fact that, hey, this is going to end at some point. Like you don't have right. to. And it's not like, I mean, I hate saying that. Like, I don't like when things end. It's not like right. I enjoy that. I mean, come on, it sucks. <laughs> but um, but it does, and it's a thing. So don't ignore it because it's going to be a thing anyway. And, you know, when you really think about it, we're losing every single second of the day. Yep. You know, we're yep. never getting that moment back, that meal back, that hug back. It's going to convert into memories and also things that can become a part of us and the way we live and the way we make choices. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Especially during this time, right? I feel like it's been super present in everyone's mind of like, oh, wow, things can change on a dime and things can be taken away from me, you know, albeit maybe temporarily at any moment. Like, wow, am right. I spending my time really doing where, doing the things where I want to put my time, energy, money, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So, right. Yeah. I, yeah, I think, you know, the one thing that is of the moment that is terrible, um, but also I gives me hope for how we approach this conversation moving forward is that, like you said, I mean, everyone in this world is, is dealing with grief right now. Mm -hmm. We're dealing with collective grief, societal grief. We're dealing with actual like grief from death loss, from people who are losing to this terrible virus. Um, people are still dying of other things during it. How dare they? So it's like, you know, you have people who are isolated, who are are dying or, or are losing loved ones who they can't visit. It's a terrible time of loss for everybody. And, you know, the one thing that's interesting about that is that I think we're all acutely aware of grief and what it feels like now, of the uncertainty of, you know, what is my, what is my, what does tomorrow look like? You know, like, I mean, I personally, I have little kids. I still have no idea what's going on with school. I mean, it's mm. like this being forced to sit with all this uncertainty and this total lack of control. And that's what grief is. Like that's, mm -hmm. that's what acute grief feels like. Mm -hmm. And we all now know it. And what gives me hope is that maybe we can all be a little more empathic about it moving forward. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely. my hope too. Yeah, in so many different ways. Um, so obviously this is, you described so well the importance of this community, but you mentioned, you know, your background is in journalism, political satire, you work for Stephen Colbert, which is amazing and fun. And this can be seen on the surface, at least, as kind of the opposite. So what made you start Modern Loss? Why did you feel like there was a need for this type of community? Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, it definitely isn't something that I would have probably just decided to start because I was interested in exploring grief. <laughs> it was, mm -hmm. you know, very much, very much a personal experience thing. Um, when I was working for the Colbert Report, my mother was killed in a car accident. Um, I had just turned 30. 
And I was very much in this like weird stage of, well, it was, it was like building up my life. You know, yeah. I was surrounded by other people who were building up their lives. We were working crazy hours. I was dating. I was looking forward to, you know, <laughs> collecting all of these milestones that people like to, to hit in life. And bam, you know, my best friend vanished from the face of the earth. Uh, from one second to the next. Mm. And I was still surrounded by people who were trying to build up their lives. And I was too, but I was also now tasked with navigating all of this grief and loss, um, like all this building plus all this losing. Mm -hmm. And it was such a crazy time because it was just so lonely because, you know, a lot of people didn't know what to do with me. They didn't know how to support me. They wanted to, I mean, they really were well-intentioned, but every single day I had to go to work and try and figure out like how not to fall apart or how much to push away so that I could get through the day or, you know, or how much to allow myself to feel so that I didn't feel like I was like not grieving. Mm -hmm. Right. And then maybe it would catch up with me later. It was just so, it was like this total lack of a roadmap and, um, it was really overwhelming. And I realized that I was just in this weird stage of like not being a kid and surrounded by guidance counselors and therapists and maybe surviving adults, you know, all these structures that are mm -hmm. supposed to be supposed to be put in place mm -hmm. to catch you and support you and lift you up. And I certainly wasn't like 85 years old and in an assisted living community surrounded by people who you know, automatically read the obits when they wake up in the morning. Right. Um, I was just like kind of 30 <laughs> and like living in my apartment and trying to figure it out. And so I, you know, this, this isolation that came out of it and this like desperate need for connection is what led me to create Modern Loss several years later with Gabby, um, who had also suffered her own losses. And because we realized that it's really, you know, there's a lot of stuff out there on grief. And at the time there were, sure, like lots of things about grief, but we found them to be too anchored in like platitudes or a little too religious or a little too clinical. Like there mm -hmm. was nothing that was for just like storytellers and people mm -hmm. who just like wanted to inspire each other and get inspired and see through example and read really good writing that like would just be human interest writing, but just anchored in loss. Um, and so we kind of saw this white space and decided to fill it. Yeah, I think you're really so spot on when you say that there's not really a space in the middle, right? Like when you're a kid, and you lose a parent or a sibling, there's their resources. And I like that you put that in quotes because I think they're not always the best, but they right. exist, right? right. Kind of their minimum standard. And then obviously when you get older, there's all there, it's almost expected, right? Mm -hmm. It's expected for you to lose a parent in your fifties, let's say, or a spouse in your seventies. But that's a lot of life in between school aged and your seventies. Right. What happens in between? Because obviously loss is still happening, but I feel like it does speak to that idea of like, it's not something people want to talk about or yeah. feel comfortable talking about. And so as a result, 
it, it just people, I would imagine, feel incredibly isolated. And I'm wondering if that's how you felt before you started this community and while you were dealing with your own loss. Because like you said, the loss isn't an acute thing that goes away. It's not like you're no longer coping with the loss of your mother. It's ongoing. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head with that. That's a lot of life left. And I always say that, which is, you know, it kind of hit me um, a couple years into my first grief, which I should mention that when by the time I was 34, my dad died. So I lost both my parents between the ages of 30 and 34. And this was absolutely not my life plan. Like no right. way. <laughs> like, yeah. sorry, I does like, if you if I looked into a crystal ball, I could have never imagined that. And, um, and so I kept thinking like, God, I miss myself. Like I miss me. I miss the person who just like wanted to suck the marrow out of life. And now I'm like trying to figure out, like I'm flailing so much because I don't know who my team is. I'm trying to build up my team, my support team. You know, like it took me a while to find the right therapist. I had PTSD um, from my mom's, you know, accident. It took me a while to figure that out and get the proper help for that. And it was just all on me. It really, like I had to put on my big girl pants and figure it out. And it wasn't fair, but it, you know, kind of, I'm really, I feel like Trump has ruined the phrase, it is what it is now. Um, yeah, but like, he's totally ruined it, which sucks. But I'll just say like, like removing that memory mm. from it, right. it kind of was what it was. And for me, that became a very powerful phrase not in the sense of like, oh, it is what it is, she said, but more like, I'm aware that I have absolutely no control over what happened in the past. Like my mother died in a car accident. My dad died right. from a heart attack. Like I wish, like I, I, I could spend a lot of time focused on like the if onlys, but yeah. I'm realizing increasingly that it's not doing a lot for me because it's just eating my heart out. Yeah. And so how can I you know, and I have a lot of, I think like we're not guaranteed anything, but I think and hope that we have a lot of life left. And, and how do I, how can I get back to being excited about that time? Um, like how, what can I do for myself to, 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 you know, look forward to my future and, and not just like dwell on the if onlys. Yeah. And, and that was like a really big moment for me. Um, it really made me want to live. And I think that when we have individual profound losses, sometimes we actually have to make that choice. Like, do we want to live? Mm -hmm. um, and I think if we make that choice, which hopefully is yes, then we kind of owe it to ourselves and we owe it to the people who, you know, our people to just make it the best damn life humanly possible. Because why bother otherwise? Yeah. Yeah. And that's such an amazing perspective too, because I love what you said about the, it is what it is, which we're going to take that back from Trump. He doesn't get to own that phrase. Cause I think it's very helpful in certain situations, <laughs> but really it was like, exactly. Once you decide that you want to live, what other choice do you have except to power through? What are you going to do? There's, there's nothing else to do. You can't control what happened. You can't control what happens in the future. So you just kind of have to start putting one foot in front of the other. And I would imagine just for so many people who have engaged with modern loss, that it's that much easier to do it. Once you have a community of people cheering for you, who also, get what what's happening for you and get what you're going through to some degree. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's horrible. I mean, it's like a major exhale. I mean, like, that's why I love our community so much. Um, Gabby and I, you know, started this not as therapists and and like, God bless both of you for, you know, being <laughs> mental health professionals. I always have to give the disclaimer. I'm like, I'm not a therapist, like, nor should I ever be. But I work with so many of them now. And I just, I'm, I'm, I'm in awe of their work and what they can do. And modern loss is not meant to be a replacement for therapy. However, it can really like therapists really love modern loss because you know your hours is up at after 45 minutes or 60 right. minutes and you can't like be with that person at two in the morning when they're right. googling like how the hell am I going to get through this but you can give them this resource which has hundreds and hundreds of original pieces about all aspects of grief um from death loss and you know, lots of advice and lots of help. And then this peer-to-peer support that we offer. And we have a, a marvelous um, closed Facebook group where, you know, thousands of people who are just in it offer each other their perspectives and their advice or a place to scream into the cosmic void mm-hmm. or a place to just like dump on, dump when your dad is dating someone new and you like can't even, you know, um, uh, you know, or just, just like all of this wonderful support and and you don't even have to speak up you could still feel like you're a part of a community you could still feel like you're part of a a group just by getting access to it reading these perspectives and reading these pieces of advice and for me like I would have loved to have that when I was in the early days and I'm not in the early days anymore and I love having it now because what is true is that grief doesn't just you know, I don't view myself as a grieving woman. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my mom died a little over a decade ago. However, I do think I live with loss every day. I'm living. And to me, that's like a little bit more, if it makes me feel like I'm more in control of my narrative when I say I'm living with loss. You know, there was a time where grief was controlling me as it does yeah. to people. Um, but now that I'm not in those early days, like, I still have triggers, you know, I still have moments. And as you evolve throughout life, you experience that your the relationship with your person in different ways. Like, you know, eventually I'll hit the age that my mom was when she died. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I hit the age a few uh, years after she died when she had me. Um, you know, there are all these like, weird milestones. Then I became a parent and I all of a sudden had to be somebody who was having a baby without their mom to mm-hmm. get advice and love and help from. So loss is a forever thing and it takes on different meaning and, and faces throughout the experience. And that's why I love what we are because, you know, again, we don't like replace therapy, but by legitimizing the fact that like, you should be here, even if like, you had a miscarriage 12 years ago or you know like of course you should be here you know i mean because your 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 living child is 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 starting kindergarten and you can't get out of your head how your other child might be entering middle school now of course you should talk about that like we legitimize everything and we allow people and encourage them to like fly their flag as long as they're not hurting themselves or anybody else and it is an incredibly powerful thing when you give people the platform to do that and you give them an invitation, like a specific yeah. invitation. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's that's one of the things I appreciate so much about modern loss is that it kind of what we were talking about earlier in terms of, you know, there are certain ages that you think that you're 
going to be more prone to experience loss. And I think what what you present in that community is based on like your own experiences and your own story is that like this happens throughout life and it's okay for us to give ourselves as you know permission as adults to understand what what's happening for us as we process grief as we deal with loss whether that's to death or otherwise and so I think that that's really just like a special thing because I feel like a lot of people even that I work with have struggled with this idea of oh you know I'm but I'm like a grown person. I should be okay. And I'm like, why right. should you be? You lost, <laughs> you lost your North star, you know, mm-hmm. you lost the, the, your foundation. Yeah. It's going to shake your core and you have to work to move forward. And so sometimes I think we, we don't give ourselves that permission to just be like, it is what it is. It's kind of like that acceptance of the moment of like, wow, like this is really happening. This is where I am. What do I do? And I think that that's yeah. one thing that you really create is that dynamics is people just show up. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, I mean, like, I, I remember beating myself up and telling my therapist, oh my God, like, I can't, my mom's been dead for like three years and I'm just struggling so much. And I remember him saying, well, how many years did you have her in your life for? Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh. <laughs> oh, that part, <laughs> but like, yeah. I, I was like, I get it. Um, yeah. Like 10 times that amount. But even if you lost your mom when you were a baby, you know, mm-hmm. like it's still, then you're grieving all the time that all this, you're grieving the memories that you don't have. I mean, yep. it's like everything is valid in yep. grief. I really believe that. Yeah. I, I, you know, as a non-therapist, maybe, you know, as therapists, maybe you can assure this non-therapist that it is okay to tell people that you do whatever you have to do as long as you're not hurting yourself or anybody else. Like if it yes. feels good. Yeah. That's the right yeah. thing to be doing. Co-sign. Co-sign that like 8,000 <laughs> times. Whenever somebody that I work with goes through a loss, whether that's a passing of a loved one or a breakup or a job, my two rules, you know, a little bit in jest, but kind of serious are nothing that ends you up in the hospital, nothing that gets you arrested. After yeah. that. Okay, good. Yeah. Like right. <laughs> whatever, whatever you need to do, because it's a crisis. And I think mm-hmm. I love the normalization of that. There is no limit. Because there, you know, it doesn't come as heavily or as frequently as maybe in the beginning, but it's always there. You know, I lost someone very important to me 14 years ago almost, and there are still periods of time where it's really hard. And the time he's been gone has eclipsed the amount of time he was in my life, and yet it's still incredibly difficult. And exactly, it's that question of like, well, when did you expect to be done? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, you're not done. Um, There's a an episode of Grey's Anatomy where I think the best dialogue about this was like one of the characters said I don't know how to live in a world where my dad doesn't and someone else in the show who had lost their father you know in the show said yeah that never really changes and Mm -hmm. I just thought that was such a Mm -hmm. great way to articulate that like you're not going back you can't go back to how you felt before that loss happened which means you need support ongoing for the rest of your life. Cause that loss is always there. Yeah. Yep. Agree. And you know, it's funny because, well, not funny, a little sad, but I read a study once about how people kind of surveyed people who had lost loved ones and they said, okay, approximately how long did you feel like people really showed up, right? Bringing food, calling, checking in, whatever. And the mm-hmm. answer was about two to three weeks, which 
like probably I feel like a lot of people who've experienced that would say that that tracks. And then they asked the, the person grieving, how long until you felt better? And I think they define better as like, they were able to really kind of go back to their day-to-day life without it feeling so much of a struggle. And the average answer there was two years. Mm-hmm. So clearly there's a mismatch. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And I think right. it's so important to have that place where people can go because, yeah, I think, you know, for whatever reason, the overflowing of support definitely does not last as long as a person needs it. And so to have a place to do that and have a community where people are like, no, I get it on week four, you still are having a really hard time. is just amazing. And just people feel seen. Yeah. I think that like feeling seen is, it's like, you can't put a price on it, you know, just like how many of us feel invisible, how many of us have like gone to brunch on mother's day or avoid a bunch, but like walk down the street and seemingly everybody seems like they have a happy mom and they're holding their hand, you know, or like, you know, had a, you know, is struggling with unexplained infertility and, you know, it looks like everybody's pregnant. I mean, it's just, you know, you feel invisible when you're like that. And we, we shine a light on you um, here. Yeah. yeah. And it's also not, and what I also appreciate is that it's not all sad, right? Oh, grief, no. Right? Grief is very complicated and mm-hmm. you can experience the range of emotions. And like, sometimes you are going to be sad. Sometimes you're going to be aggravated. Sometimes you're going to find humor. Um, yep. Sometimes that's a way, that's a helpful way to process difficult emotions too and I and I appreciate just like and obviously I think that's informed by who you are as a person and you know your previous experience but I really love that because I think we expect and we have the stereotype that to be grieving or to be living with loss looks a certain way and it kind of looks all the ways but on Mm -hmm. different days and in different moments yeah, I mean, we use a lot of humor at Modern yeah. Loss. Our tone is very specific. And, you know, a lot of our readership is younger, 20s mm-hmm. to 40s, um, although we do have readers well into their 70s or 80s. And it's not just about, you know, age demographics. It's about our tone. We're mm-hmm. pretty unabashed. We're pretty tongue-in-cheek. We're pretty unapologetic about that fact. We use a lot of humor. Look at me. I work for freaking Comedy Central. <laughs> or, you know, like this is not, you know, the reason that, Gabby and I wanted to create modern losses because everything else wasn't resonating with us. Mm-hmm. We wanted to feel like we could have inappropriate laughter or right. gallows humor because as you just said, Drell, life is messy. Yep. You know, so death is messy. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, that's what I hear. And it's like, why shouldn't grief be messy then? Yep. And within the mess, it's so ludicrous that you have to hang on to those moments of humor because what more do you have sometimes mm-hmm. than that? And people always ask, like, when is it okay to, like, laugh at something after a loss? And I'm like, literally, whenever you want to. Yep. Like, if it's if it's funny, go for yep. it. You know, like, I, I always, you know, it's like, I always reference that, um, it's like, was it Sex in the City 1 or 2 movie? I think it was, like, the first movie when they went to Mexico on Carrie's. Oh, movie. yeah. And she said, you know, and it was on Miranda and she's like, I promise you're going to laugh again. Yeah. And Harry Mm -hmm. says, when, and Miranda says, when something is just really, really funny. And that's, 
that's when it's going to happen. And sometimes it's going to be like at the funeral, Mm -hmm. you're going to be mortified, but you've got to go with it because, you know, that, that saves you. And it's also a unifier. Like you, a lot of the times um, I've become closer to people as we share stories and we're sharing this like hilarious bullshit that happens, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, it it, it unifies us and makes it close. And it also makes us feel like less alone. Like we're not the only ones who had that kind of experience. Um, And so, yes, we do use a lot of humor because also, as you said, it's not just about the first year. So we can't just have a community and a publication that's about doom and gloom and the first year. We can't do that because we'd be delegitimizing like all the other years that come after that first year. And that chances are, you're not going to find yourself crying or feeling so heavy the majority of the day, right. hopefully, you know, right. every single day thereafter, you're going to be worried about other things. Hopefully, hopefully you'll be able to be neurotic about little things, mm-hmm. which I know doesn't sound fun, but like for me, when I got to the point where I could stress about little things, I was like, Oh my God, that feels really good to be so stupidly neurotic again (laughs) about like, Mm -hmm. you know, like, Oh my God, like, did I, like, did they see that I had lettuce in my teeth and obsess over it as opposed (laughs) to like, am I going to die tomorrow? I mean, it felt so nice. Um, And so we have to use humor because we want people to keep coming back to us and lean on us heavily when they need us. And like, maybe take a step back when they don't, but know that we're our tone and our content is not so onerous and so heavy that it's going to have you running for the hills right yeah and I I love that that it's a combo of both because like you said it is messy and it's both there's sometimes where I know people who have said like I laughed at my sibling's funeral because something that someone said would have just been so ridiculous and my brother would have thought that was hilarious and so I laughed for him and it's you know what it looks like on the surface is someone's laughing at a funeral but like what a beautiful moment that you're kind of still sharing with that person and that's why it's like the spectrum of emotions is just so wide that to have a non-judgmental space to feel all of them probably also helps people move forward faster absolutely I agree with that So I know we talked about this kind of in pockets, but what would you say to someone to kind of close things out? Like, what would you say to someone that is struggling with grief right now? What would you want them to know that's different than some of the common misconceptions that are out there? What would you say to somebody who's like, I'm just having a really hard time? I would say, you know, well, first I would ask them, I would try and figure out how hard a time they're having, like if they need to be speaking to somebody. Sure. because I think that's really important. And, you know, I, I think that there are some things, you know, I really believe in therapy. I, I, I'm not in ongoing therapy, but I think that sometimes, there, you know, there's very much a time for that. There's very much a time for medication sometimes. I really am, you know, I, I always want to check in with people and make sure that they're not, you know, in, in danger. Um, and then I would say, you know, like I would try and figure out like, if they're really struggling, why are they struggling? Like, what is it? Was it a trigger? Was it like an email they got? Was it, you know, is it anniversary season, which is that like, oh, it's my person's birthday and it's this coming up and it's the holidays. You know, is it something like that? I would just talk and I would make it really clear that, um, you know, that there is nothing that they could say that would scare me away. 
that, you know, loss, I don't view loss to be contagious, you know, like something I'm going to catch and it's not going to send me running for the hills. And, you know, I think that like, I do think that, you know, if people just feel seen, then I think it lifts that struggling a little bit. You know, they, they know that they can talk to somebody about it. They feel like they might be suffocating a little less, but also, you know, as somebody who has gone through it, um, you know, I, 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 I would never offer like unsolicited advice, but, you know, I do think it's helpful sometimes to talk to somebody who has gone through like the shit, you know, and can offer some, you know, if they want to hear some suggestions about maybe like a type of therapy or a type of ritual or a type of coping mechanism that helped me, you know, only if they want to hear it, you know, and also offering it in a way that isn't like, Hey, this is going to work for you because it worked for me. Like there's no one size fits all to all of this stuff. But I do think that sometimes people really are looking for that roadmap. Yeah. And, and sometimes that's what where they struggle because they're really, you know, there's, it, it's so isolating. And I, you know, right now I'm actually um, working on my next book, which is going to be a guided workbook through grief. Um, I just sold it about a month and a half ago. And I'm really excited because I really wanted something like that when I was, in those early days and I didn't have it. And I wanted to be asked questions that made me comforted and helped me remember and also helped me like focus on resilience. You know, like I wanted yeah. to be asked really good, smart questions that I couldn't ask myself. Um, and I'd like to ask those questions to people so that they can explore that. Yeah, I love that idea so much that it just such a clear way to kind of get that support and get that reminder I don't want to say on your own, because obviously, you know, it's part of that idea of another person kind of asking you those questions, but doing it in a way of, you know, I remember what you said of that. Sometimes the intense feelings don't come on at a convenient time, like when you're going to see a friend or when you have a therapy appointment. Sometimes it's at three o'clock in the morning. Right. So what do you do at three o'clock in the morning? This sounds like that's the answer to that, which is amazing because grief is not convenient, unfortunately, like so many other things. It's not, it's highly inconvenient. It's, it's, a, yeah. it's a, it's a wily little monster, you know, and yeah. um, you know, it just is. And so, you know, like, I think just the more we make it clear, I mean, it, I just think any, everybody has the ability to have a positive impact on somebody's experience with grief. If you can be empathic, if you can be an active listener, if you can, you know, some people are nervous that they can't, that they're not good at this stuff. And that's like, I get that. Like, that's cool. Like, you don't want to like sit and listen to like how somebody died over and over again. Like, that's not your thing. Fine. Like, does that freak you out? Whatever. But right. what are you good at? Like, do you, are you a baker? Are you, uh, you know, are you a coder? Like, what are you? Like, what are you that, um, you know, that, that you could provide some sort of comfort and value to this person and make them feel cared for? You know, are you anal? Do you like cleaning? can you go clean an apartment? Do you right. like kids or can you stand? Can you go take their kids somewhere for an hour to let them shower? You know, you, yeah. every single person has the ability to provide meaningful support, every single one. And, and I think that the easiest way for them to do it is to think about like what, what's up their alley? Like, what are they good at? 
and then provide something based on that. Yeah. And the person is never going to forget, never going to forget that you tried, you know, that you provided that support, that you made that offer. They will remember if you didn't. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. And yeah, I just agree with that so much because I remember what you said about, you know, a community is not a replacement for therapy and vice versa. And, And it's, yeah, I think there's definitely a misconception out there where, people say like, oh, this is like you were saying, this is the one way to fix it because this is what worked for me. No, you need a toolbox. Like this is hard. So pull from everywhere. Sometimes it'll be therapy and that's valuable on its own. And sometimes it's more of a community and that's valuable. Sometimes it's both, right? Sometimes you need all the support. Sometimes, like you said, you just need someone to come over and like help you clean. And that's what you need that day. And so I love what you said about it, nothing being a replacement for anything, but rather it's just a whole fun toolbox of where you can pull whatever you need. But in order to give someone all of those options, those options need to exist rather right. than just pointing someone in one direction and being like, well, if that doesn't work in this moment, oh, well. Yep. Awesome. Well, I love- I would say you should be a therapist. I know, right? I really should should work on that one day. You're multiple steps ahead of me. (laughs) Well, I love what you've done with Modern Loss and I've loved our conversation and I'm speaking for Jarrell too, but he's here so he can speak as well. But he'll agree. Jarrell, go ahead and agree. Yeah, I mean, it's just so- it's so important to be having these conversations and, you know, I, I think for anyone who's listening- um, chances are you've already experienced loss. You will experience it again. Um, hopefully this conversation helps you, but also check out Modern Loss and what they have to offer too, because I think there's something for everyone. Yeah, we will link to everything in the show notes um, for anyone who needs it, either now or in the future, or can pass it along to a friend. Rebecca, thank you so much for joining us. This was an amazing conversation. We really appreciate you sharing your experience and your work with everyone. And like Jarrell said, I'm sure you've helped more than one person today. No, thank you for having me. And thank you for this wonderful and important podcast. I think it's great what you're doing. Absolutely. And thank you. And thank you to everyone who joined us today. If you liked this conversation or others that you've heard, you can leave a rating or review or both on your podcast, I can talk, platform of choice. That's a fun tongue twister. And if you want to chat more with us, you can find us on social media at Viva Wellness NYC. And Rebecca, where can people find you if they want to connect to you or Modern Loss? Yeah, well, so we're we're 24-7 on modernloss.com. Um, we're also at Modern Loss on all the socials. Um, and the, the thing that I really love the most is we, we are on Patreon, which is um, a membership-based program that gives lots of benefits to anybody who, you know, supports us because we don't charge for any of our content. Um, But if you become a member of Modern Loss on Patreon, uh, even just for a couple dollars a month, you get access to so many things we do. We do multiple virtual sessions every month with experts like financial therapists or authors or, you know, grief yoga, um, even a, a baker who like did like rage baking for us. We had like this awesome group Zoom class. We're trying to unify people, especially, especially during this time um, when we so badly need to connect with each other. Um, and that's just an example of the benefits you get um, by supporting us through Patreon. 
Oh, I love it so much. I like also how Jarrell really perked up with the baking. That's very I was like, rage, you're gonna rage have baking. To the next one. Win it to win it. <laughs> that was so always, always. That was very on brand. Thank you to everyone again, Rebecca. Thank you. And we hope that you will join us next time. Bye. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye.